Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this time in your house and in your presence. We pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're a guest with us today and you've signed up uh, for our lunch after the service, uh, we're looking forward to fellowshipping with you. And, and if you brought a guest and you signed up, we will go down to the fellowship hall after the service is done to eat together and enjoy some company together. I'd like to get to know you. Uh, today we're starting a series on the life of Joseph, and it's titled, When Life Takes You for a Ride. And if you, in the uh, bulletin last week, you would have got an, a handout regarding the titles and scriptures of some of the, of the messages going forward. And uh, if you didn't get that, you can get one from the Welcome Center after the service as well. And I just want to encourage you to try to read through the story of Joseph. We read Genesis 37 today at the beginning, and um, the rest of the story is found from Genesis 39 through to 50. And so if you could read some of those portions before coming to the service, that would be awesome. Might help you out on the quiz as well. Might even help you to win a prize, okay? Um, so if you, if you can do that, I think uh, it would be beneficial, and I hope that you'd get something more from the message as well. Now, the story of Joseph is a very unique story in the Bible. It's a, it's a roller coaster ride. It goes up and down, up and down, and mirrors sometimes maybe what our life is sort of like because there are so many ups and downs that we face in life. Things were not really going well for Joseph. Uh, first, Joseph started off in, in a very good way. He, it was going pretty well for him. He was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Answer to one of the questions. He was provided for, blessed, cared for. He was even spoiled. But his brothers despised him because he was the favorite son. Right? And um, his brothers wanted to actually kill him. Now, Joseph had a couple of dreams, which we read about in Genesis 37. And in these dreams, it sort of portrayed that his brothers would end up bowing down and showing respect to Joseph. And his brothers really didn't like that. And so they planned to kill him, but eventually they sold him into slavery. Then, as a slave, things started to get a little bit better for Joseph. He was in the house of someone very prominent, and he rose to the head of that household. But then things got worse for him later on when he was accused of rape, and then he was thrown into prison. Then things got a little bit better for him, as much as it could get better in prison, uh, when he was exalted to a position of authority um, and respect over others. But then, after that, he thought he had the chance to leave prison, but somebody forgot about him, and he was still there in prison. Finally, he was called by Pharaoh, king of Egypt, when Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph came and interpreted that dream for Pharaoh, and then Joseph went from the prison to the palace, and things couldn't get any better for him. Well, actually it did, because he got married, he had a couple of kids, and he forgot about his misery. And finally, his brothers came to Egypt during a time of famine and ended up bowing down and showing him respect. And Joseph's dreams were fulfilled. And finally, we see this beautiful scene of forgiveness and restoration. So that's a, a wild ride. It's a quick summary of what exactly is going on. But I want to encourage you to read the story in more detail in Genesis chapter 37 and then chapter 39 to 50. Read it, meditate on it. It won't take you too long, but it's a thriller, okay? Um, but before we get to the, uh, to the beginning of this story, I want to actually take you to the end, the, the theme verse. Rob, can I get the thing up at the top as well? Um, 
And so the, the, the theme verse, which is actually found in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, is what I want to look at. This is all the way at the end of the story. This is all the way once everything is done. Joseph makes this incredible statement. His brothers come to Joseph after their father dies, and they're thinking Joseph is going to get back at us. He's going to retaliate. He's going to take, um, he's going to take vengeance on us because of what we did. But Joseph makes this incredible statement in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He says, speaking to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This is going to be our theme verse. I'm going to come back to this a lot. So I'd like you to learn this verse, meditate on it, memorize it, think about it for the next five weeks. But most importantly, Realize how it applies to your current context and your current life situation. God intended it all for good. Can we read that together? Right? Let's read this all together, okay? One, two, three. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. See, this is, this is what Joseph answers after this whole roller coaster ride of life that he's gone through. And he comes to this conclusion, which is amazing and awesome, and I hope we can come to this conclusion. Now, he came to the conclusion at the end of his life. Now, we don't know when exactly in his life he came to this conclusion, but we hear about it near the end. And I think if we are to learn this lesson, not at the end, but during the roller coaster ride of the life that we're living, I think we can handle a lot of situations differently. Right? In chapter 37, we, we, we read about the beginning of Joseph's story. Now, Joseph starts at a little bit of a disadvantage because he was the favorite son of his father. And so his father gives him this ornate robe, sometimes known as a coat of many colors. And one lesson we can learn from this right away, parents don't show favoritism to one over the other. Right? And so Joseph is at a disadvantage right here from the beginning. Now, Joseph, mind you, he flaunts that robe and he says, hey, look at what I got. Right? And he shows it off to his brothers, and you know, his brothers are envious and jealous of him, and he doesn't deal well with his brothers. Then he has these two dreams, right? About his about these we, we won't take time to read it all over again, but basically the interpretation of it is that his brothers are gonna bow down to him. And he tells his brothers this, he tells his family, and they get upset. Of course. Now, Joseph was a young man, he was 17 years old, and so he was bound to make some mistakes, but does his pride and arrogance deserve what was about to happen to him? I don't think so, right? But we can also learn a lesson that humility is probably the better way, because it's in Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So then Joseph faces one of the hardest trials in his life to date, Right? And his brothers take him and they throw him into a cistern and they plan on killing him. But instead they decide instead of killing him, we're going to sell him into slavery because they reason within themselves and they say, after all, he is our brother, right? Like, I don't know how their thought process is working, but this is what they come to the conclusion. After all, he is our brother. So let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery, right? There's a saying with friends like that, who needs enemies, right? But here we see the first downward spiral that Joseph faces. He's rejected by his brothers. Now his brothers made fun of him, despised him, mocked him, all of these things. But now they sell him into slavery. Can you imagine that? It's very painful. And brings us to our first point. Rejection is painful. The title of the message today is The Pain of Rejection. 
And rejection is something that's very painful. Rejections are one of the hardest things to go through in our life. We all want people to accept us, to love us, to care for us, to do good things for us. But we will all go through some type of rejection. We can be rejected by friends, family, loved ones, fathers, mothers, children, husbands, wives, church brethren, ministers, elders. And the closer the person is to us, the more the rejection hurts. If it's somebody on the street that just walks by and says something to you, you could care less. You may never see that person again. But if it's a close family member that says something to you or does something to you, then the the hurt and the pain is a lot harder. And sometimes we can be building up hurts in our lives for many years because of the rejections that we faced in the past. For Joseph, after many years in Egypt, when a son is born to him, he reflects on that pain and he says in Genesis 41 verses 51 and 52, Joseph named his older son Manasseh for he said, God has made me to forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief. Can you, can you hear the pain? Can you feel the sorrow? After so many years, Joseph is still in this pain and in this grief. Maybe your mother or father has rejected you. Maybe someone you love didn't love you back and you felt rejected. Maybe you were passed by for a promotion at work and felt rejected, even though you might have been the most qualified person. Maybe in a group of friends, you were left out and you felt rejected. Maybe something happened years and years ago, but the very thought of that incident still leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Let me first tell you that Jesus knows how you feel because Jesus was rejected as well. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it's a prophecy about the Lord Jesus. And it says here, he was despised and rejected. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He knows that pain because he was, he was rejected. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Jesus had 12 disciples and, who were following him and, and he taught them and he was with them for, for, for a few years. But even one out of those out of those 12 disciples, he ended up rejecting Jesus, betraying Jesus, turning his back on Jesus. And in Psalms, it prophesies about this in Psalm 55, and it says, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Rejection when it comes from enemies or foes is not so bad. But it says here, instead, it was you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together in the house of God. Maybe there's someone like that in your life. You were very close to them. You did so many things together. You enjoyed sweet fellowship and and, and company, but they betrayed you. And that feeling of rejection still stings today. The pain is still real. I want to tell you today that Jesus knows that pain and he feels your hurt. In this chapter, we see Joseph being sold into slavery. And this must have been a very traumatizing, a very hurtful, a very painful thing. Something that was very destructive for Joseph. But at the end of the story, we see that Joseph comes to this conclusion. He says, you meant evil for me. But God turned it around for good. Many of us can maybe face the rush of emotions when we go through a rejection. But can we see Maybe something good that the Lord is doing. You know, not only was, jo- was Joseph rejected by his brothers, next week we're going to see how in his workplace as a slave, he ended up being rejected even by his boss and thrown into prison. And then later on, we will see that when he interprets a dream for, for, uh, for the butler, 
and the butler gets out of prison and then he forgets about Joseph and maybe again that feeling of rejection from one of his friends. Maybe you felt rejected in your workplace. Maybe you felt like you haven't been respected in your workplace or acknowledged or your contribution to the team hasn't been considered. Maybe you feel like you can't do anything right. Maybe you feel like you've been like Joseph, even falsely accused. Have you faced rejection through your family members at your workplace or through friends? I think there was something that God was trying to do in Joseph's life to refine him, to sanctify him, to prepare him, and to make him ready for something even greater. And so when we face the pain of rejection, when we face the fire of the trial, and when we face the overflowing waters of despair, we have to realize and remember that God is working out something for our good. Remember our theme verse, you meant evil towards me, but God meant it for good. In James chapter 1 and verses 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, I think Joseph's faith was being tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. And and Joseph had to endure. He was there about 13, 14 years through this whole process until he was finally exalted. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Romans, three and verses, Romans 5 verse 3 and 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. I think because of what God was trying to prepare Joseph for, he had to allow Joseph to go through these painful experiences and these rejections and these very hard trials because he was trying to develop strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, it says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, what is he going to do? He will restore, he will support, he will strengthen, and he will place you on a firm foundation. So this is something we must hold on to in the midst of our rejection and trials. That God is doing something behind the scenes. God is doing a work of grace in our lives. The second thing that I want us to see here is that the Lord is with us in our pain. There's one thing about the story of Joseph is that wherever Joseph was, he had the presence of God. Genesis 39 and verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. The Lord was always with Joseph. The presence of God was always with him. In the good times and in the bad times, the Lord was with him. And I think the secret of handling rejection and the secret of handling some of these problems is to know that God is with us during those times. God is watching over us. Genesis 39 and verse 23, it says, The warden had no more worries when Joseph was in prison because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. If you're here today and you don't know God's presence, I want to invite you to know Jesus Christ. I want to invite you today to discover him, to know him, to commit your life to him, to know with confidence that you can face every trial and every circumstance with Jesus by your side. Regardless of the rejection, regardless of the trial, regardless of the circumstance, our confidence is that God is with us in the trials like he was with Joseph This is one of the most important points in the story of Joseph that God's presence was with him. Romans 8 verses 
35 to 37, it says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything separate us from the presence of God? Can anything separate us from God being with us? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Talking about the trials and the difficulties that we go through every day. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We will see next week how how Joseph resisted the temptation of sin because he knew that even if no one else was watching, he knew that even if no one else was seeing what he was doing, God was with him. That helped him to resist sin. Now, I want to tell you a story about a young girl in the Bible. This young girl, she went through many rejections. And from her life, we can understand that God looks down upon us even in those times of rejection. Now, this young girl, she was taken away from her family and homeland. She was in a strange country, living with strange people and serving as a servant girl. From her master and mistress, she learned about God. And they were kind to her to take care of her. Whatever they asked her to do, she did and she obeyed. Everything she knew about the living God, she learned from them and she looked up to them as spiritual people. But one day... She was rejected. She ran away. Her name is Hagar. The story is found in Genesis chapter 16. We don't have time to read it today, but if you want to read it when you go home. Abraham and Sarah were her masters, and she obeyed everything that Abraham and Sarah asked her to do, even to the point of having a child for them because they couldn't conceive themselves. And she would have looked up to Abraham and Sarah as godly people, as spiritual people. Hagar was originally from Egypt. And so everything she would have known about the living and true God, she would have learned from Abraham and Sarah. But then after Abraham and Sarah had their own son, she ended up being rejected. Sarah starts to treat her badly. And in the midst of being rejected by these supposedly spiritual people, I know we all look at Abraham and Sarah and we think, oh, they're such godly people, amazing people. But we see that they mistreat her, Sarah especially. And so what does Hagar do? Hagar runs away from that situation because she can't take it anymore. But when she runs away, she meets the living God. And you know what God tells her? What we all want to hear. Go back to your trial. God doesn't say, don't worry, Hagar, I'll take care of you. Yeah, good, good, good that you ran away. No, God tells her, Hagar, you got to go back to Abraham and Sarah. Probably something that she didn't want to hear. But he also says to her that I'll be with you. And in Genesis chapter 16, we see what Hagar says. She actually calls on God, a specific name of God called Yahweh Roy, which means the God who sees me. And she says here in Genesis 16, verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me for she said i have now seen the one who sees me she had this revelation the revelation was now i realize that god is looking down upon me god is seeing me god is seeing my pain god is seeing the rejection god is seeing the trial and now i can see him do you know that god sees you Do you know that God sees you in your pain? Do you know that God sees you in your distress? Do you know that God sees you in your trial? Do you know that God sees you in your weakness? God sees you in your sickness. God sees you in your hurt. God sees you in your problem. God sees you in your grief. God sees you in your loss. God sees you in your despair. God sees you. But can you see him? 
I think Joseph saw God who was seeing him because he knew the presence of God was with him. Psalm 121 verses five to eight says, the Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord watches over you as you come and go both now and forever. See, Hagar had received this revelation. God sees me. She said, I have now seen the one who is seeing me. Do you see that God sees you in your pain and in your rejection and in your trial? Can you see him in your pain, in your rejection and in your trial? Can you see the one who is seeing you? So Hagar was comforted with the promise of God that his presence was with her. And so she returns to Abraham and Sarah. But years later, Abraham and Sarah, they miraculously have a, have a son. And so now Abraham says, Hagar, that's it. I'm kicking you out. Right? No more. Our spiritual man of God. Right? Abraham, he was the father of faith. Right? He tells Hagar, that's it, Hagar, you got to go. And so Abraham one morning tells Hagar, Hagar, you and your son, you got to go. And you know what Abraham does? This godly man, who was filthy rich, mind you, gives Hagar a bottle of water and some bread and sends her on her way. How do you think Hagar would have felt? She would have seen that Abraham was rich. She would have seen that Abraham had so many servants and so many camels and so much food and so much luxury. Give the girl like 10 camels, Abraham. Please do something. But just a loaf of bread and a ball of water? Can you feel the pain that Hagar would have felt? Can you feel the rejection from this man that she looked up to as somebody that was spiritual, somebody that should have been godly? But Hagar is kicked out. And again, we don't have time to go into the whole story. Again, God comes to her. And Hagar sees the one who was seeing her. She knows that God's presence is there. In our moment of rejection, remember that God is with us. Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me, and your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Do we see the one who sees us? Richard Wormbrand was a pastor in Romania that went into prison for his faith. And at times he thought, where is God? There are times when he was at the brink of his faith. And if I can say there were times when he even felt maybe that, God, where are you? Maybe there was a feeling of rejection even by God. And I don't have time to read. I had some quotes here that I want to read to you. I don't have time to, to read to you some of the stuff that he wrote uh, in a book later on about the sufferings that he went through. But I just want to read you one thing. They says he, he wrote a book called With God in Solitary Confinement. He knew God's presence was there. I'll read you just one quote. He says, in solitary confinement, we could not pray as before. We were unimaginably hungry. We had been drugged until we acted like idiots. We were as weak as skeletons. The Lord's prayer was too long for us. We could not concentrate enough to say it. My only prayer repeated again and again was, Jesus, I love you. And then one glorious day, I got the answer from Jesus. You love me? Now I will show you how I love you. At once, I felt a flame in my heart 
which burned like the coronal streamers of the sun. The disciples on the way to Emmaus said that their hearts burned when Jesus spoke with them. So it was with me. I knew the love of the one who gave his life on the cross for us all. He felt God's presence with him. And he saw the one who was seeing him. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. The last thing is I want to say is that Christ accepts us into his family. I'd like to offer you an invitation today. If you feel you've been rejected, forsaken, set aside, unloved, hurt, Jesus wants to accept you into his family. Christ came into this world to die on the cross to redeem us from our sin, to grant us eternal life with him forever. It's a free gift that he gives to us and all we need to do is accept it. You see, Christ faced rejections from his friends, from his family, and even from his own followers. He knows our pain. It's a prophecy in Psalm 118 about him. And it says, the stone that the builders rejected, speaking of Christ, has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Here's the question. Can you rejoice in the day of rejection? Here it says, the stone which the builders rejected became the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and what is it? Wonderful in our eyes. And this is, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you know that Christ is that cornerstone? And Christ is calling us to be stones in the building that he's making. He wants us to be part of his family. First Peter chapter 2 says, You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone in God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What more, you are his holy priests through the meditation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices to please God. Christ is that cornerstone and he wants us to be those living stones, that building that he is making. And that's why he says a couple of verses down, he says, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You see, it all started from when Christ was rejected. Because when Christ was rejected, it led to acceptance by God, to be that cornerstone. And now for us who have been rejected, Christ accepts us into his family. Christ accepts us to be part of that building, to be part of that city, to be part of that family, to be part of that chosen people, to be part of that holy nation. Christ wants you. He wants you to fulfill his purposes and plans. He wants you to do his will. He wants you to experience his love. He wants you to enjoy his grace. He wants you to know him more deeply and intimately. He wants you to be his treasure. It's the same thing that happened to Joseph. We're at the beginning of the story here. We'll see the rest as we go through this series. But I'll give you a little spoiler. It all starts when Joseph was rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into prison, forgotten about, then raised to the palace. And what does Joseph acknowledge at the end? Our theme verse. Can we read it together again? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. 
This is an overarching theme in this story. God intended it all for good. Why? To save the lives of many people. Christ went through and passed through the valley of rejection. He was rejected by his own people, by his own followers. He, he felt the pain. And he went to the cross to die for you and for me. And he became that cornerstone. And now calls us to be part of that building and part of that city. And part of his family. Why? So that he can save the lives of the whole world. So that he can redeem us and bring us in to that family. Oh, dear friends, dear people of God, we see Joseph as a type of Christ. And how God used Joseph through all these experiences which we're going to see in the next few weeks, but this first one of going through rejection, going through pain, going through suffering, so that the lives of many could be saved. Christ went through rejection and sufferings so that he could save many people. And today, If you're going through a similar situation, remember, God wants to use you as well to do good to others, to help others. If you take the rejection as maybe something that man is doing towards you, you can get bitter, you can get upset. But if like Joseph you can say, you intended to harm me but God intended it for good, then I think we might be able to say this is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. Singers and worship team can come up. Whatever situation or circumstance you're going through today, Romans 8 verse 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He wants you to know his purpose and plan. He wants you to know that you are with him. We're going to sing this song, the God of angel armies is always by my side. Do you know that the Lord is with you? Do you know that he feels your pain? He knows your hurt? Do you know that he's working something good in the midst of all your suffering and your rejection and your trials and your problems? He did it for Jesus. When Jesus went through rejection and God said, look, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take this rejected stone and I'm going to make it the cornerstone of my city, of my foundation. And then I'm going to bring other people and I'm going to build that city. I'm going to build that temple. And we're all going to be one big family. And it all started from a day of rejection. And and people are going to look at that in eternity and they're going to say, Wow, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. See what God has done. He took a day of rejection. He took a very hurtful, painful experience. And he made that the acceptance of all of us into the family of God. And in the life of Joseph as well. He went through such a painful, hurtful rejection. And Joseph realized God allowed this to happen to save many people alive. And Israel was saved and from there came Jesus to save the whole world. God is with us in our pain. And he wants us to be part of his family today. Let's sing to the Lord.